of everything. Well, if you have your Bibles today, we're going to continue in a series called Words Matter. Words Matter. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Proverbs chapter 18 and John chapter 14. Proverbs chapter 18 and John chapter 14. If you have a Bible app, you can follow along there. Go to Calvary.online, click today's message. You'll see all the notes there. You can make some notes of your own. Or you can follow along in your Bible, the one where you can actually hear the pages turning. You can actually use a pen instead of your thumbs, whatever you like. I don't care. I don't care, just as long as we're getting God's Word inside of us and it's, and it's being transformative. We're speaking a message called Words Matter because a few weeks ago, just the Lord began to just open my eyes a bit to many people in the church who, who say, yep, I'm going to heaven. I know that Jesus is the Lord of my life, that he died for my sins. But I noticed that behind what they were saying, that there was one giant word. And it was an unspoken word, and it was simply this, discontented. They were discontented. I, I, I just seen it in the body of Christ. And I said, Lord, what is the, the answer for what I see in so many believers that they are, they're not content with you and what's going on in their lives? Why is that? And the Lord highlighted a verse that perhaps I've read many times. Uh, and matter of fact, I've studied the, the second verse from, uh, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, uh, over and over and over again. But the verse before it leapt off the page, which simply says this, A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth, and from the produce of his lips he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Notice this, it says a man's stomach will be filled, satisfied by the fruit of his mouth. So if we are living in a dissatisfactory way, it's probably connected to the words that are coming out of our mouth. If you haven't been listening to this series, please go back on Calvary.online, listen to this message, because we talked about what the ten spies did when they were trying to send spies over to spy out the promised land. And that there was a sin that the ten spies committed. And it was simply this. They went over into the promised land and just reported what they saw. They actually just saw it and said the truth. Without adding to it what God desired. So their words were the truth. But they had none of God's desired plan connected to it, and that was the sin of the ten spies. Their words did not match God's will. And what did it lead to? Forty years of not being satisfied. And I want to say to you in the church that God wants us to gain this revelation. Your words matter. They matter and they are powerful. And probably the most key sermon in this whole series that I'm going to speak, I'm going to speak today in a message titled, Words Become Works. Words 
become works. Now, listen, if you're like me, I grew up in a tradition that when you heard the word works, you were like, ah, 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 get the garlic, get the crosses, works, works, no, no, not works. It's only grace. And yet the Bible says clearly that if you are saved by grace, you will do good works. Matter of fact, Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship, God's creative expression in the earth, so that we could walk in good works that He has foreordained for us to walk in. So God has good works for us, but how do we really enter into those works? There is a powerful revelation today how words become works that we'll find in this passage in John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 7 is where we're going to begin. This is something amazing. And when I read this, it just made me stop. I said, Lord, I see it. I see something for the first time that I'd never seen before. John 14, 7, this is Jesus speaking. He says, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father and whatever you ask, Ask in my name that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. This is a powerful, powerful passage. But I want to draw your attention to verse 10. Jesus says these words, The words I speak to you, Followed by this statement. But the Father who dwells in me does the works. Jesus says, the words that I speak to you, I do not speak in my own authority, but the Father who is in me, who is dwelling in me, does the works. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but I've been reading this a long time. And my brain likes to change words. Because Jesus just said, the words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. So I fixed it in my brain to say, but the Father who dwells in me says the words. But that's not what it says. It says the Father does the works. 
So here in one verse, Jesus said, the words that come out of my mouth become the works of the Father. The Father's word on Jesus' mouth became works. Jesus made this connection, and I want you to make this connection. That when we say, we say what the Father is saying, then we will see the works of the Father. When we say what God is saying, then we are going to see the works of the kingdom of God explode around us. You say, wow, you, are you sure that we can grab that from just that verse? Well, let's look at another, which we have quoted many times in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. We'll read all the way through 20. And it says, and he said to them, this is Jesus, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He's saying, say the words that God is saying to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. There's the first work where the word becomes a work. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven. He sat down at the right hand of God. Notice verse 20. And they went out and preached everywhere. What did they do? They said the words that God was telling them to say, and notice what it says. The Lord working. Working with them, confirming what? The Word. Through the accompanying signs. Why do signs and wonders follow believers? Because words become works. When we get God's words on our mouths, then the works of God show up. This is why God has declared war on inaction. This is why we have to preach the gospel. This is why we have to announce to our neighbors that Jesus has come, that he has died, and that he was buried, and on the third day, raised from the dead because God the Father wants to send a redeeming work into this region. And you wonder how meth, meth houses are going to be shut down. Here's how. Release the word and the works will come. You're wondering how the abuse is going to stop in Beverly Hills. We're going to release the word and the works of God are going to show up. Because Jesus told us himself, words, when they come from God, they become works. Because God works with them through the accompanying signs. So the real question is, is this, is how do we step into a greater level of our words producing the works of God? That's a real question. I want to just give you a couple of ideas on this. And I want you to, 
just, just allow that major revelation to sink in. At your words, God wants to use them to create new life in people. Or you can speak your words. You could just say what you're saying. By the way, anybody ever say something and it just falls flat? Say something like you're trying to call your kid? Come do something? Come clean something? No response? They're like, oh Lord. Here's, here's the best thing we could hope for with our words is that nothing would happen. Most of the time when we say what we're thinking, it destroys something. It removes a foundation. It doesn't build up. It actually tears down. It doesn't accomplish God's purpose. It accomplishes a fleshly purpose, mostly control that we want on somebody else's life. It's really important, church, that we get His words on our mouth and that we grow in this grace of letting our words become His works, giving Him something that He can agree with. Well, how do we step into this? How do we get to the place where we, where we utter words and heaven comes and moves? Let me give you three things. First, words become works when we become His dwelling place. John 14, 10 says, do you... He says, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Listen, this is the, this is the simplicity of the gospel is that when you become a believer in Jesus Christ, you become the dwelling place of God. Scripturally, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, it, it, it gives you a very uh, a functional title. It says, uh, in, in chapter, uh, verse 16, it says, What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them, and I will walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Don't touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I'll be a father to you, and you'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. He says, you are made to be a dwelling place for my presence. When you become a believer, you become the temple of the living God. I said it this, this way uh, at, at our encounter weekend. I said, man, when, when you give your life to Christ, soon after, there'll be a knock at the door. It'll be the Holy Spirit. And he'll have a whole moving truck with him. He says, I'm here to move in. And you look behind him and he says, yeah, I got some stuff with me. I've got some love. I've got some peace. I've got some joy. I've got some faithfulness. I've got some goodness. I've got some kindness. I've got some gentleness. I've got some self-control. Oh, there's still some more room. So I'm going to keep filling up the rooms. I've got tongues. I've got interpretation of tongues. I've got prophecy. I've got gifts of miracles. I've got, I've got supernatural faith that can move a mountain. I have got all kinds of stuff that I want to move in to this temple, I'm going to make you a dwelling place of my presence. Woo! 
What would happen today if Jesus showed up at your house and knocked on your door, said, I'm ready to move in. You'd be like, hold on a second. Let me close the door. I got to get rid of some DVDs. Because the only R-rated movie I'm allowed to have is Passion of the Christ. I got some stuff in my house. He says, he says, Hey, by the way, you're the temple of God. You're made to be a dwelling place of God. Let me, let me let you in on a little secret. Uh, just a few days ago, I was standing on the temple mount. I'm standing there on this, this most volatile piece of property on the whole planet. Dome of the rock is sitting there today, but in Jesus' day, there was a temple. Let me tell you about the temple. The temple had a, a court for the Gentiles. Gentiles kind of had to stay outside by because they were hosting God's presence. They wanted, they wanted to keep it just a certain way. There was a court for women. There was a court for Israelites. But then there was a court for only priests. And only the priests could start getting that close. Why? Because everything on that temple mount was all about the presence of God. Everything had to be clean. Everything had to be purified. Everything was about hosting the presence that was behind the veil. And then there was this, this place a little bit closer where the menorah stood and where, where the, the table of showbread table of showbread was and it was a fantastic place and there were just a few priests in there but behind the veil there was only one day a year that one man the high priest could go behind the curtain to minister face to face to the Lord on the day of atonement it was only one day and I just want to let you know this is how much God wanted you to be his dwelling place when he hung on the cross and yelled out this word, Tetelestai, it is finished, paid in full. And he, he cried out with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. The earth shook and the heavens turned dark and God tore the veil from top to bottom because he said, I now can come and live in the place that I've al always desired to live. That is to dwell in the hearts of my sons and daughters. But you and I are not to carelessly host his presence. If we want to grow in the place where our words become the works of the Father, we're actually going to have to host the presence in our lives the way He loves to be hosted. You know, when Jesus got baptized in the Jordan, it is it said that the Holy Spirit descended on Him like a dove. It does not say that the Holy Spirit became a bird and landed on Him. It's great artistry out there. Holy Spirit's not a bird. He's like a dove. That means that there are things about His nature which are similar in nature to a bird. Years ago when our firstborn was just a baby, my wife and I were walking in a park at a church function in South Florida. And uh, we, were, uh, we were just walking all of a sudden... I heard this sound coming from the tree. It kind of sounded a little bit familiar. I look up in the tree, and up in the tree is a cockatiel. I'm like, huh. 
we owned a cockatiel. So I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. There is a cockatiel that got out of somebody's house and looks like he has been tormented by every crow on the planet because a lot of his feathers were pulled out. And I looked at my wife, I said, I wonder. And I went over to the tree and I hopped up and I started climbing the tree carefully. And I got up and up and up this tree and just eased my hand up to this bird and he lowered his head. And I scratched his head. And then I just gently turned my hand over and he crawled up on my hand. And I climbed down from the tree and we had that bird for two years. Now, this bird was like any, was not like our other bird. Our other bird was fat. This bird was skinny. We called him Rody. Because I grew up you know, with Bugs Bunny and Roadrunner. When I put this bird on the floor and walked across the room, he ran so fast. He was like, and then, then our other little bird, he was kind of like trying to keep up. He couldn't do it. It was amazing. His feathers all came back. He would fly around the house. We kept him for about two years. But uh, then one day, the outside called him. He found this little tiny hole on our back porch in the screen and he wedged himself out and flew away. But I learned something that day about how to approach a bird. And I don't just come recklessly up to this bird. I come and care. Just ease up. That I understand that at any motion, any any quick motion, he might respond to in the wrong way and fly away. And when I had him in my hand and I'm coming down the tree, I'm not even thinking about me. I'm just thinking about the bird. And you and I need to live our lives as a dwelling place of God. Not thinking about what's next on our calendar, what ne what's next on our agenda, how can we grow the 401k, how are we going to get our kids into that college, here's how we're to live as believers. Hosting the presence of God. That's the most precious presence that we want to... We want to have Him to come into our homes and that we want Him to not only be with us, but to dwell in us. And when you and I begin to host God's presence much in that same way, I believe our works will be, our words will begin to reflect His heart. And when our words line up with His words, His works will show up. When we live as hosts of God's presence, then our words will become works because our purpose is connected to what He is saying. Next, our words become works when we walk in authority. When we walk in authority. Now this, 
may, uh, may actually come different to you than the way that it's written. That's actually on purpose. Verse 10 in John 14, it says, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Let me say it to you this way. Authority in the kingdom is chosen through loving submission. Authority in the kingdom of God is chosen through loving submission. The beautiful submission that we see modeled here by Christ. The submission that happens between a loving father and a son that is full of honor. Notice how Jesus modeled this. It's all through throughout the Scripture. John 5, 19 says, Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, The Son can do nothing of Himself, but what He sees the Father do, for whatever He does, the Father also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son, and He shows Him all Things that he himself does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. We also see that Jesus said in this passage today that Jesus does not speak of his own authority, but speaks the words that God is saying. We mentioned this last week. It said, what did that moment look like daily with Jesus? Jesus would go into the secret place. He would kneel before the Father and say, Father, say to me what you're saying. Show me, Father, what you are doing. And I imagine that on one day, the Father says, I'm healing the blind today. Jesus must have thought to himself, well, I'm going to the cursed city, Jericho. Not a lot good happens in Jericho. He goes into the city and he's walking out of the city. Nothing happens until he walks outside the gate and a young man named Bartimaeus, starts crying out, Son of David, have mercy on me! And the son stands still and turns around. He said, what would you have me to do for you? He says, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus does what he saw the Father doing. And he releases the words, Be healed. And the works of God manifest. I imagine there was a day that, that Jesus was before the Father and he says, he says, the Father says, Son, I'm gonna heal through you today in a profound way. Every person that you touch, I wanna heal. And I imagine as Jesus was walking that day and had all of those people thronging to him, you know, that he was like, you know, just walking in the light of what the father had said and what the father had shown him. But, but there was the woman who had been flowing with blood for 12 years who walks up behind him, touches the hem of his garment and power goes out of him and she falls down trembling and Jesus stops everyone when everyone is touching him and says, who touched me? 
Somebody just did what the father was talking about. And he sees her there shaking and trembling. And she tells her story. And then he releases what the word, what the father had been saying. He says, your faith has made you whole. And those words became works. And she was made well. You see, we have to live in submission to the Lord. We have to learn what that means to humbly submit our tongues and our lives. We've been quoting this verse for years, but maybe today there'll be a fresh revelation on Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. John 15, 5, Jesus says these profound words. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Look at these words. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them throw them into the fire and they're burned. Notice this. If you abide in me, what has to abide? And my, what? Words. My words abide in you. You will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. It'll become works. Do you see this? When the Word abides in you, when you're not saying what you have to say, but when you're saying what God has to say, then the works of God show up. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Words become works. We abide in His Word and apart from Him we cannot do anything. What do we have to do? We have to humbly submit ourselves to Him and say, God, I don't want to say what you're not saying. I don't want to do what you're not doing. And when we do, Our words become works and we bear much fruit and our Father is glorified. Lastly, our words become works when we speak in faith, when we grow in faith, when we believe. John 14, 12 says, Most assuredly I say, He who believes in me the works, there it is again, that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. The words belief and faith, by the way, in Greek are very similar. Belief is the action word of faith in the Greek. And so the idea when you say you believe in me, it's not just a a general knowledge of. So It's not just saying, oh yeah, I believe Jesus, you know, lived a couple thousand years ago. I believe he was the son of God, but your life is left apart from the power to be transformed. It's not just acquiring information. Belief in Jesus leads to transformation. It leads to change. The grace of God leads to change. 
And I want to say it to you this way. When you believe, the works will show up. Well, how do we grow in our belief? Well, it's pretty simple. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, it says, faith come by, comes by hearing. And hearing by what? Oh. So we get the Word. And the Word becomes works. God's power shows up. We get the Word. We, 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 have, we have misinterpreted this to thinking that the goal is the faith. The goal is not the faith. The goal is the works. The goal is the greater works. I love Hebrews 11.6. He says, but without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. What is the reward of diligently seeking God? Let me tell you what it is. You get His Word in you and God begins to work in your life. You believe that He is? Let me put it to you another way. You believe that He is and all that He has said so you say it, and then His works show up. Not just for you personally, for your own personal gain, but for the gain of the kingdom. That's the reward. He rewards those who diligently seek Him. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says it this way, And since we have the same spirit of faith, the belief according to what is written, I have believed, and, I, and therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we speak. When we grow in faith, we speak and the works come. We grow in faith, we speak and the works come. A few weeks ago, there was a, a, a young lady that was facing some medical crisis. And in the middle of that crisis, a doctor was giving their advice and she announced she believed. I want you to see her testimony today of what God did in her life. For about a year and a half, I've had thyroid disease. It controls like my hormones, and um, besides being on the medicine, I have days where I'm just sleepy. It's just been a really long road. Um, so with the thyroid, they prefer you only to be on medicine for a year. Um, after that, um, they don't like it because it can shut down your liver. And my last test, my liver wasn't good. So when I went to my last appointment, she wanted to do radio. Um, radioactive. Um, and I told her, I said, well, I believe in something higher. I would like to be off my medicine if I could. And I would like to give it to God, you know, and she goes, sure, no problem. I'll see you back in six weeks. In that six weeks, I had to be off medicine, which means anything could happen. My hair could fall out, weight gain. I could end up having, she said, spells where I just fall asleep. At the same time, the past six months, um, during my um, monthly every month, the first few days, I'm in lots of pain, like I miss church, I miss appointments, I can't move. And I've had three kids, all natural, and it's up there with having kids. I talked to the doctor about all my symptoms, and she said that with um, my symptoms, it sounds like endometrius, 
or cyst or fibroids in my uterus. So at the same time, I had all these going on together appointments and I just was giving it to God and I would thank him every day. I'm all like, God, I know you already healed me. I know you already healed me. I know you already healed me. So I just kept praying on it. I had like six weeks during all this was going on and it was kind of during our fast too. So I went the last two Fridays to those two different doctors and with my thyroid, my, I'm in remediation, so my thyroid levels are normal. My liver's normal. There was no hair loss, there was no weight gain. There's no endometrius, there's no cyst, and there's no fibroids. I've been going around telling everyone, every time I run into someone I know, I'm all like, this is how good he is, this is what happens. And it's been nice because I've been able to tell other people, just believe in him, believe he still heals, and just keep giving it to him. Come on, you ought to shout today. No radiation and God still heals the thyroid. Tumors disappear and God comes. Why? Because words came and then works followed. She says, no, I want to give this to God. She's at risk of hair falling out, of weight gain, of all kinds of things that could have happened. God showed up in a time of prayer and fasting and she says, no, I'm giving this to God and you have already healed me. What was she saying? You have already healed me. What did she do? She released the word and the word became a work in her body. And I want to announce to you today that the same Jesus that healed Stephanie will heal you today. And the same Jesus that rescued most of the people in this room will rescue you today if you feel like god has been afar off he wants to come close and church god wants to take you into greater works Acts chapter 5 i asked the lord lord what's greater works because this bothers me because i'm still trying to catch up to what you were doing how could you say greater works pointed me to Acts chapter 5 and he says and believers were increasingly added to the Lord multitudes of men and women so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them why because Peter's shadow was healing people Peter listen to this the denier The one who used his works to cuss out a little girl around the fire. Got the word of God so much in him that he had a ministry that Jesus never had. We have no evidence in the scripture that Jesus had a shadow ministry, but Peter had one. And guys, all I'm, all I'm going to say to you is this. The words become works. If you today don't have a relationship with God and you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, here's what the Word says, you will be saved. You will experience eternal life. Here's what's going to happen. The words you say will become a work of God in your life. And if you're here today and you need healing in your body, we got our prayer team. They're going to speak the word over you and here's what's going to happen. The word is going to become a work in your life. 
If you're here today and you've been tormented by the enemy and you've been tormented by thoughts that are trying to keep you out of God's calling for your life, of, of being the mother that you should be, of the father that you should be, of the grandparents that you're called to be, and you've been tormented, here's the word of the Lord. Be made whole in Jesus' name. And the word becomes a work. But what do we do? We need to get the idols out of the temple. We need to get the stuff out that doesn't honor God. We gotta host His presence well in our life. We gotta live in humble submission to Him. Loving submission. We need a revelation that it is a Father in heaven and we His sons and daughters. And then we need to grow in faith. We need to believe. How do we do that? Get the same word in us that becomes a work when we speak it. God wants to do something tremendous in this region. And it will come when the church gets a revelation that words matter.